Those are some of the best years of my life. <laughs> this is the Financial Side of Life podcast, episode 34. Welcome to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Our mission, to empower you with smart financial strategies and show that it's possible to get a college education, save, invest, retire, or do whatever makes sense to help you live your best life. We'll meet amazing people and professionals who will share stories about how they do it. And together, we hope to bring a little sanity to your complex financial life. And now, here's your host, certified financial planner pro and founder of Avea Financial Planning, Angie Forbotten LaRosi. I'm going to look at the camera. Hey, everybody, it's Angie Forbotten LaRosi here, and I want to welcome you to the Financial Side of Life podcast. So, I have another special guest with me today. Um, this is my dad, Jim Forbotten, in honor of Father's Day. And so, I, I coaxed him up into a quiet room where we are going to talk a little bit about life lessons from dad because they've you know in addition to my mom who i interviewed was it a year ago or two years ago i think it's two years ago you know we just talked about their memories and things that they experienced growing up uh on a farm and in the 60s and raising kids and all that and how they did it and what are some of the things that they learned in their lifetime? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, Dad, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> so he has listened to a few of my podcasts, right? Correct. A few. How are they? <laughs> well, they're really interesting. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. All right. So I wanted to start just a little bit. Would you tell us just a little bit about your background? Well, let's see, I was born in 1937 in a uh, town called Macon City, Montana. Okay. And it was at Fort, it was a, a town where the workers lived that worked on Fort Peck Dam on the Missouri River. Okay. Uh, where were you born? And it was, uh, housing was a premium. There was like six or 8,000 people working on this dam. It was the only, and uh, source of income or jobs for a lot of people in the Midwest and North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. So they, they flocked there. Well, anyway, housing was a shortage. People were living in paper shacks and, and uh, just anything to get by. And one my, I think my, my parents moved there. Of course, I hadn't been born yet, but they lived in a uh, kind of a homemade travel trailer. And I think it was like uh, maybe uh, four or six feet wide by maybe eight, eight feet long. And there was four people. So anyway, they, they were living in this homemade travel trailer that they had bought for, uh, God, only maybe 10, 15, $20. Well then, uh, people were coming and going and just so happened there was uh, somebody that had a, a log cabin and they had, uh, they were leaving and so my my dad bought it for forty dollars and that's where I was born was that the land too or just the cabin no just the cabin just it was cabin. public land it was next to the Missouri River in Montana and it was uh, but it was you know there was it was, I think it had dirt floors and 
uh, but it had a roof and some some windows, and I mean, it was it was home. So. How long were you there? Do you, so you, do you have a memory I, of this place? No, no, I was I was born there. I had a, a, I didn't have a doctor. I had a midwife or just a midwife. That's what we call them now. But at that time, it was just a woman that helped my mother have have me. Mm-hmm. And well, okay, so that was. Uh, where we lived for, I think we left there and we worked there. My dad worked there from uh, more like 36 till maybe 1940, 41, when the war started, when re- things really picked up. And then we moved to uh, a town called, well, we lived in Canton, South Dakota for a while before and and of course the job shut down during the winter if you know what a winters are like in montana so so they they shut the job down and so my dad and family went back to their house in canton south dakota and that's um so we that's where we uh spent the winters but you know back in those days it was hard times it was hard to get a job hard to make any money Anyway, it was hard times. Uh, called uh, and in South Dakota, it was the dirty thirties. There was dust storms. It was a kind of a drought. Uh, just not good times. And my dad was always on search, looking for a job. So we didn't see much of him. So did he have skills? Did he not have skills? He he was a yes. He had skills. You know he. I'm not even sure he went to high school, but he learned how to weld and how to, in those days, read blueprints, which gave him a leg up. He had a, he had a craft of being a welder. So uh, that would provide him with, with job opportunities later on, particularly when the war started. And he worked, uh, but, you know, I, I can remember, I got letters of his that, where he writes, uh, he's out he's out in the road trying, you know, the only job available in this little town of Canton in the wintertime was maybe picking corn. And in those days, they picked corn by hand. So, uh, you know, you could get maybe 50 cents a day and, and your meals, that would be considered... Uh, a good wage and I know he he would write to his brothers up in North Dakota that uh, they were starting to pick corn in South Dakota with and that uh, if they're looking you know they should come down and they could live with us and work and so that's they kept he kept in touch with his with his family's uh, mother and dad and and then his brothers and sisters up in North Dakota so drink him having gone through these times, did he ever talk about, well, you know, as you got older, because I talk a lot with my high school age kids about things, you know, especially related to money. Did he ever talk about any of these kind of struggles? Uh, I don't remember. This is all hearsay from my mother Mm because my dad was never around home very much. Mm -hmm. And I was young. Uh, The only time I remember... And I ne- I don't recall hardly any conversations with him. He was killed when I was uh, 
eight years old. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing I remember, he, he, he we'd go fishing. We were living living in Shakopee, Minnesota. That we we had moved from Canton up to uh, Shakopee, Minnesota, which is uh, was a suburb of Minneapolis, but now, but then back then it was like 20 miles away. But anyway, the Minnesota River went through there, and uh, we were in war. That was after Pearl Harbor. Then, so anyway, uh, my dad uh, got a job with uh, Cargill, and Cargill, who is normally connected with agriculture products like corn wheat and stuff like that buying and selling that but during the war they they had a contract with the navy or with the government to build ships for the navy and they were doing that in minnesota or in on the minnesota river and it was uh, they were building tankers for the pacific uh war effort and they were tankers oil tankers that they they would finish and i watched several of the uh uh, what do they call it when they, they uh... Hi everyone, it's Angie. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know a couple of things. First, if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite app, be sure to subscribe and if you'd be so kind, leave a review. I also want to let you know that all of these podcasts are actually videos that I've uploaded to my YouTube channel, Avea Financial Planning. While you're there, again, if you'd be so kind, maybe watch a few of my videos, hit the thumbs up, and maybe even subscribe. Take a look, you'll see. I can really use a few more subscribers. For more info about me, my fiduciary planning and investment firm, my dog Brandy, or to sign up to get my periodic newsletter, head over to my website, aveafp.com. Thanks for listening and watching. Launching? Yeah, several launchings. They were about 600 feet long, and they were they were basically they were carriers of oil and fuel for airplanes and ships. And and then when they were finished, we'd they'd be launched in the Minnesota River, which was a short distance from the Missouri or from the Mississippi River. And then they'd float it down the Mississippi River all the way to New Orleans. And then they would go across or through the isthmus to the Panama Canal and into uh, the Pacific Ocean. And then that's where they would be used to um, transport oil from the West Coast to wherever they needed it in the war effort in the Pacific. So, um, so we did that until 1945. Uh, in the spring, I think it was May, he was killed in an automobile accident. So that totally changed our lives. And we went back to Canton after that. And my mother, uh, you know, back in those days, there was no, no, no welfare and stuff like that. You just had to make do. Luckily, she had they had bought the house, so we had a place to live in Canton. And so we all went, we went back there. And uh, my mother got jobs in you know, Canton was only 20, uh, it was 2,700 people. And it was an agriculture community. So she got jobs 
yeah, working in a, a creamery, working in candling eggs, doing something, you know, wasn't that many. Oh, and then she also was worked in a restaurant, uh, Lena's Cafe. The one <laughs> we walked by? Yeah. Because uh -huh. we were there last fall, right? Right. Last yeah. Fall. yeah, Lena's Cafe was right downtown, you know, little towns of Canton. It had a downtown area, and Saturday night it was all the farmers would come in, and they'd be everybody do their shopping and stuff like that. So anyway, she had a job there, and then eventually, she uh, uh, there was a man in town that had lost his wife; she died, and he had uh, three kids. So they got together and got married, and, and uh, so then we had. Uh, he had three older children, and then my mother had us, uh, her three children, and then eventually they had three more children. So it was uh, a, a big family, kind of a mixed family. But anyway, so that's okay. So that was kind of kind of the I, early start. Yeah, and then I I started kindergarten in Canton. And then we moved to uh, Shakopee, and then I uh, went to the first and second grade up there. And then, after death of my father, then we went back to Canton, and then I uh, went to uh, high or two schools in Canton. Mm -hmm. So, so when you think back to that time you know both now as an adult reflecting back and then also maybe also as a young person going through that time would you have considered yourself poor did you know you were poor were you poor was everybody poor i mean how did you feel about that uh i never considered myself poor i think you know looking back we were dirt poor but <laughs> okay. you know every, but was every, everybody? everybody was yeah. kind of in the same same boat uh, until the war started and then there was lots of opportunities for jobs and stuff like that but the war changed a lot yeah mm -hmm. but no it no we just we had a good life you know when, when my mother was she was she was she had to struggle she had the, the hard hard life because she had to work and she was a, a wage earner and, and us kids weren't old enough but we'd, we'd try and I know she'd get jobs tasseling corn, tasseling corn, which was they're raising seed corn, and then they'd have to pull the tassels. And I can remember all her and and us three kids would we'd be out in a field of corn, and we had the tassels are the that's part of the uh, pollinization of the of the corn. We'd have to pull those tassels, and she got you know peanuts for doing that but it was a job it would uh holy cow not not something we would do today <laughs> no, uh, no, it, no it, it. let's jump ahead a little bit i know you had a lot you have a lot of fun crazy <laughs> stories of your you know teen years and and things like that we won't necessarily go into some of those right now but let's jump ahead you you actually went to college right yeah Right. And so tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? How did you do that? Did you ever see yourself in college? Tell us well, about that. Uh, funny thing, you know, 
uh, I never really thought of college. When I, I graduated from a school in Sioux Falls, and there was uh, 500 of us in the graduating class in 1955. And I, I, I was thinking of, try, of going to uh, a Lutheran college in Sioux Falls, but it was going to really be expensive. And I couldn't afford that, even though I was could live at home. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, a friend just that uh, lived not far away from us said uh, he had been going up to a, sc a school in uh, at South Dakota State University or South Dakota State College. It was called then. And he said, "Well, why don't you come right along? I'm going up this weekend. And I'll show you around." So. I went with him and and uh, checked things out, and I thought, well, you know, hey, I could uh, probably I could do this, and I didn't know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to take, so I enrolled and went up there and started uh, um, just general registration, just taking general courses, and and then. Uh, my brother, he got, he was in the army. He got out, and then he said he was in the field artillery, and he he was he had been doing work with mathematics on trajectory of of uh, shells and stuff like that. So he said, "Hey, uh, there's we need to you need to go into engineering," and I said, "Hey, sounds good to me." So <laughs> <laughs> he had the GI Bill. It didn't kick in right away, but uh, I had a job. Or no, I didn't have the first year. I went to I went to uh, college. My brother was still in the army, and so I I had uh, my mother was able to access some social security money for survivors, and I think it amounted to like nine hundred dollars, which you know was was enough to pay for one year of college then. So I went to college uh, and took general courses. And then finally, when my brother got out, uh, we decided he was going to go to college. He never even finished high school. Mm. And, um, but he, he, was, he had gotten his high school equivalent in the Army. So it was like he had a, high, you know, a diploma. Okay. So, so we uh, went. Uh, we went back to school. I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. And we were both taking the same classes because essentially my first year was just, uh, I just picked up a lot of uh, credits. I, I didn't, all the engineering courses were sequenced. So you had to take, it took four years then to, uh, to get your degree. So he and I both uh, enrolled in civil engineering and then eventually graduated in 1960. Okay, 60. And so somewhere in there you met mom. Yeah. Uh, in uh, my second year, uh, I, I, I spent my whole, uh, the first year I spent my $900. That I didn't have any more money left. So uh, I had a job <clears throat> in Sioux Falls during the summer and I made, I saved $125. And uh, so I, I figured, hey, I'll go back and that would be enough to get me started for a quarter. You know, that would get me registered 
it would get me uh, my books. Registration at that time, I think for a quarter, for a full load, usually 16, 18, 19 credit hours I took was, I think it was $27, $28 for me to register. In state? In, in state. In state. You were 24, I was 36. No, okay, well, I, it cost uh, $24 to register for a full load. And my event, my wife, uh, when she, she was from Minnesota, so she had to pay out of state tuition and it was- 36. $36, <laughs> so anyway. So in state was? 24. 24 and out of state was 36. Right. Okay. Right. One and a half for, for a quarter? For a quarter. For yeah. a quarter. Okay. All right. So I, anyway, uh, I had $125. So that, to, that got me registered and books. And then I, I had a, I wasn't staying in the dorm. So I had to, I shared a room with a guy <clears throat> in a family that, that cost me $10 a month room uh, so then I had to have a job so I found a job got a job in this uh, uh, cafe campus cafe is what it called uh, doing you know uh, washing dishes peeling potatoes cleaning up you know whatever and uh, that's when I met my wife my Joyce uh, and so the cafe was owned by the cafe was owned and run by her sister and her husband right okay. so and then did you and I would work in there too and okay, she was so working yeah. there too okay yeah. all right so anyway we uh, and so that was what year that would have been 56 56 yeah. okay and you got 19... married in what year 58 58 okay yeah. so all right so we had uh so anyway, I was okay. So you like to say you married her? Why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> why'd you I, marry her? I married her because well, I, I loved her for one reason, but, <laughs> but I, I always said that I married her because she was rich. <laughs> she was a rich farm girl. <laughs> she had a thousand dollars in the bank, man. That would have been enough to go to another a year of school. So anyway. <laughs> but she helped me, you know, once, once she figured, well, <laughs> <laughs> and I had a $90 scholarship too, but <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I was supposed to be a teacher. <laughs> so I want to, I want to jump ahead just a little bit too, because it's sort of a segue into something, um, you've talked about a lot is how, you know, you had all these different kind of, well, you know, from the time you moved here to the Tri-Cities to, to now, I would say you've had different financial projects. You've bought land, you've had partnerships, you've had different things going on. And I, I've heard you describe mom as kind of the, the wizard to, kind of right. move money and make it all happen and pay things Bills, on time. Yeah, right. And so tell and me a little bit more about that. I just, it's just interesting because you were, you know, a lot of times what, one of the things I'm trying to do is to get, you know, people, first of all, talking about money. And secondly, 
um, you know, being more intentional and working together, especially as a, a spouses, you know, to include both wife and husband, not to exclude anyone from any of those kinds of um, important parts. So I think you had some division of how you took care of stuff, like what did you take care of versus what did she take care of? But together, that's what kind of made the magic happen was you, you did your part and she did her part and together you built over time what you've had, Yeah, you know? Yeah, we, uh, uh, I, we, we were very compatible uh, and we knew it. So she, you know, we, neither one of us, uh, I mean, even though she, her folks were, were had farm, I had a farm in Minnesota, she still was frugal and she was not a spendthrift and she, uh, you know, had jobs while she's going to school. And, mm -hmm. and so it uh, worked out well. But anyway, and when, after we got married and, and started having a paycheck after I finished school, uh, we, we were doing pretty good in those, you know, we had good salary, good, I mean, there was a, when the year we, I graduated was 1960 and that was uh, the big uh, space. Uh, there was a big demand for engineers, and boy, you just there was all kinds of opportunities. You could, you could work any place you wanted to. Lots of, uh, lots of inter uh, companies came and interviewed at college. Uh, I took some field trips back to uh, some companies, and uh, I finally ended up. Uh, as an engineer uh, building, uh, as a civil engineer working for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And, uh, but anyway, so Joyce and I, we, she, was a, she was a saver, and so was I. And that's one thing, you know, I never, never had any financial, my folks, parents, step or stepdad, never had much by way of well, I never had any extra money to speak of. And so I never really had any anybody talk to me or told me about what to do. Uh, well, I knew that, you know, if you want, if you were gonna want to buy something, you had to have some money, you had to save your money. And mm -hmm. and uh, so that's kind of our philosophy. Anyway, so I, we got involved with uh, some ventures. I bought some property and and at one time, I mean, the, the Tri-Cities was booming. There was lots of uh, construction going on. And uh, there was some nuclear reactors being built. So there's lots of opportunities. So anyway, I bought some property with some other people. And, and that's, that's where Joyce, she, she kept the, uh, I made the money. And, she, and of course, and then, of course, she was home raising our family, our children, Angie included. And so she was really good at uh, making sure we paid our bills on time. Uh, when we bought a house, when we made, you know, make our rent payments. And so anyway, she was, she was good at it. She did good. She still to this day does the same thing. I wouldn't have a clue as to, <laughs> What, <laughs> what, what to pay or when things need to be paid? She's really spoiled me in that respect. <laughs> anyway, so that's 
uh, one thing that was, uh, I think, deficient in my life was nobody ever talked to me about making investments or uh, how to in, in, how to make money off your money. Yeah. Uh, and it was just it was I learned through trial and error, and there was right. a lot of error. Right. I mean, I made investments that were terrible, but. You know, all in all, I made more good ones. So, it, and I would say just the sheer fact that you saved, you were frugal. Right. I, you know, I describe our family as pretty frugal, and and you just even if you had extra cash, you just socked cash away. Whether or not you actually invested it or grew it or did anything with it, you were you were um, you had that habit right. of living beneath what you earned and also trying to increase your earnings as well because you you know continue to do good work and, and work in that career for a long long time so um and then you ultimately went on and got your master's degree you know so i'm sure that somehow helped you with your you pay you know that so increasing your income is was another aspect of kind of that whole longevity of wealth building one, one thing i was going to say one thing that kind of uh, got us on a different track was we when we first moved to uh, Pasco we uh, rented a little house three-bedroom house for how much was it 85 a month I think. yeah 85 a month and so we were able to uh, save money from what I was making versus what our what our expenses were so we were able to save money so then uh, we started buying coins silver coins you know and but then we uh, i don't know somehow or another uh, a broker a stock broker from spokane got i must have met him or he met us but he worked for a company and he would come down to the tri-cities once a month so anyway he talked to us and we had extra cash that we didn't really know what to do with so he he got us in and buying stocks and uh, we did, and he we went with him for quite a few years. But anyway, he was the guy that introduced me to stock market, to uh, uh, mm -hmm. how to buy and sell stock. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure. I can't. Even, I'm trying to think of uh, the name of the company. But anyway, it's that's probably uh, gone by now. Yeah, yeah it's gone. <laughs> and that, that's the other thing. I, nobody in my family ever bought a stock um, so there was no no uh, experience for me to gain or not to gain from talking to my stepdad or my mother or anybody else because mm -hmm. that experience is just something that we did didn't do right mm -hmm. so how would you say both your education and that kind of an experience where you got introduced to not only saving but saving to invest and then actually investing it in something so how, how would you say that your experiences of both you know college having going into college when really that wasn't something that people around you did or expected you to do i suppose um and then going on into this career with the federal government right and saving and and finally ultimately investing how did those things kind of come together for you, even though you didn't have that kind of an upbringing. You know, how did you create that? How did you make that happen? 
or why? You know, what, no, uh, what made you th even think about those things? Well, my first land purchase, the reason I bought 20 acres of property in Badger Canyon, because I was carpooling with the guy that, uh, that did a lot of that. And he said, hey, Jim, uh, I've got this piece of ground. We're breaking it up. And uh, would you be, you might be interested in buying 20 acres of it. So uh, he said, you can, you can double your money or make some good money on it later on. And I trusted him. And he, uh, you know, he was, had been doing it. He had a lot of experience doing that. So anyway, so anyway, that, kind of, that got me started uh, buying property. And then... Uh, so then, uh, you know, found other opportunities. But one thing I've, I've got to tell you about is, I mean, uh, you got a, a little bit of danger, a little bit of uh, what what happened to me was I thought I was really getting smart on it, making it better. Oh, <laughs> and a little bit of knowledge can really make you think you really a sharp sharpie but anyway when i finally got over that i, I made a you need you need uh, some cool heads to okay so what are you talking about what are you talking about oh just some of the uh, investments i made probably you know like i say some of them didn't make money some of my lost money you know? so mm -hmm. hey, that's that's investing i guess yeah I was going to make some, uh, another comment, but go ahead. Well, I just, uh, you know, as far as investing now, my family, Angie, particularly, uh, she's got a, you know, her, her son, her oldest son. I mean, he's already investing in stocks and, you know, pretty savvy and it's, you know, something like that. Uh, it's good experience to start, mm -hmm. start young. Well, I teach junior achievement in the high school and I talk a lot about that, you know, and most of these kids, not most of them, some of them have jobs and I've talked to them about opening up some kind of a retirement account, even when they're in high school with yeah. their first job, start saving, <clears throat> put 10, 20% aside for something like that. And it's almost like, you know, a blank stare at times. And so I know that those conversations aren't happening at home. And I, I wanted to ask kind of as a wrap up question, dad. You know, when you think about your kids and your grandkids, do you do you see your money values getting passed on? And that's kind of kind of what you were talking about there too. Do you see your values being passed on? I, I do, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why do how do you think that has come about? Well, it's come about through discussions, conversations, uh, just Joyce and our experience, you know, buying and selling property, uh, investments, you know, what, you know, what were successes and what were failures and uh, what we should have done differently. The thing that you really need to do is to uh, instill, instill in your children to save money, not to spend everything. And I mean, and to this day and age, it's, seems like the ease of credit with credit cards and stuff like that you can go in debt so fast uh or or even you know a college education if you borrow the money mm -hmm. yeah it's, you know you're saddled with that for the rest of your life in other words uh 
be frugal, you know, live, live beneath your means. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't spend everything that you make and plus, which, um, unfortunately I think a lot of people do anyway, just, uh, watch your money and don't, uh, don't be a spendthrift, spend everything. And have a good advisor. That's what you need. Ah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the plug. Seriously, yeah. No, seriously. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Dad. I appreciate you, you know, coming on and talking. Right. I know this is awkward and weird and all that, but um, it's it's fun. I enjoyed talking to Mom as well when we did this a couple of years ago, and I, you know, it's been on my to dos to do this. So I'm glad that we've been able to do this in advance of Father's Day, which is tomorrow. So happy Father's Day as hey, well. Thank you. Early. <laughs> and thanks for coming on. You're thanks, welcome. Thanks. <laughs> it's a wrap. Okay. All right. I want to thank my guests for stopping by the podcast and sharing their unique story with us today. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Feel free to visit aveafp.com where you will find show notes and links to items that were mentioned in today's podcast. I invite you to come back often, listen again and again. Feel free to leave a review at iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening in. Oh my gosh. <coughs> I almost made it. <coughs> Button. Button.